Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bears. This is a really special episode of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast for me because I'm able to take you into my family deer camp on public land in southwest Arkansas with my dad, my brothers, my children, and another close friend and his kids. We're sitting around the campfire, and it seems like every year on Saturday night we cook a big dinner, and we end up telling these iconic hunting stories that have have shaped us all. I really wanted to capture some of the stories of my dad, who's been bow hunting for 40 years. He's 70 years old, and he he's really the one that shaped and mentored me as a hunter. And the stories that he tells are all stories that impacted me as a, as a young hunter, as a kid, and as even as a young man. The, the conversation also flows into some of my iconic stories that happened on public land in southwest Arkansas. And... It was really fun to to capture this in the moment. This wasn't captured over Zoom or over a phone call. This was around the campfire. And these stories are being narrated to a live audience, which is our family and friends. And these kind of oral traditions and storytelling 
It's truly something that's ancient. No doubt men have been telling these kind of stories for thousands and thousands of years. And it was really fun to, to just capture it. And this is what we do every year. And I really think you're going to enjoy this podcast. We tell kind of little snippets of multiple really fun hunting stories, but hunting stories that all my kids would have already known. But it seems like we tell them again and again and every year we keep adding to the to the profile of iconic hunting stories. You're going to enjoy this podcast. It's November the 10th, 2018, and we are at the annual Newcomb Family Public Land Deer Hunt in Southwest Arkansas. Dad, how long have we been doing this? Oh, he's got a mouthful of burger. Let me let me let me tell you what we're doing. Let me let me describe the atmosphere here. It is cold for Arkansas on November the 10th. High temperature this morning was around 25 degrees, and we found a beautiful log that has been burning all day, a huge oak that was hollow in the middle. We set it up, and it's been burning all day, so we're all sitting around a huge campfire. There's about 15 of us here, and this is, this is and we're eating dinner. We all, all the, me and my brothers, my dad and Ty, cooked a big dinner for the kids. Hamburgers, corn on the cob, french fries, the real deal for a Arkansas cookout, Arkansas campout. But what we're going to do on this podcast is, it seems like every time we get together, we always talk about some iconic hunting stories that have influenced us. And I want to talk to my dad about some of his some of his early hunting. Dad's been hunting public land since when? The sixties? No, no, no. Seventy, mid seventies. Yeah, mid seventies. Uh, Seventy-seven, really. That's when you started bow hunting. Yeah. Uh, no one in our family. No one in our family. Uncles, cousins, deer hunted. I didn't even know what a deer track looked like. And I had a couple of guys, <clears throat> principal of a school, and a guy that had about 160 IQ. He knew everything in the world about deer. I mean, he could tell you the exact date they bred and when you know when they dropped and just anything you want to know. And back in the day, that was unusual. Yeah, and, and this guy was brilliant. His name was Barry, weighed 400 pounds. And we'd go to his coffee shop, and he taught me about deer. He told me one day, he said, come to the house and I'll teach you how to shoot a bow. And so he, he gave me a recurve. I hated the recurve, but I went and hunted with them. And they could not kill deer. <laughs> it was real funny. And, and uh, I went with some buddies down south, and I had a compound by then, an old bear compound. And uh, we, I heard a guy that was with us, and he said, bear or deer like white oak acorns. And I go, holy cow, that's what I've been looking for. I mean, I didn't hardly know what a deer track looked like, but I figured if you could figure out where they were eating, and all of a sudden, I started killing deer. I mean, every year. And and back then, it would, it was a big deal. Anymore, what I do is, you know, I'm, the, I'm on the bottom of the totem pole, but in the 70s, if you could kill two or three deer a year, even if they were doe. In southwest Arkansas, you were doing something. Yeah, central. You know what I tell people, and I've said yeah. it all the time, is that you were killing deer with a bow before it was cool. 
Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but it sure was fun. And people would ask me, how how you do it? How do you do it? What do you do? And, yeah, I'd, I'd go, man, i just go to McDonald's and, and shoot them as they walk in. And the, you've killed a deer with a bow pretty much every years. year for 40 years. Yeah. In Arkansas, not in high-density areas, but right, right. just on public land. And then, you know, about 83, I read an article about the way I hunted. A guy in Alabama wrote exactly what I was doing. And and then as the kids started growing up, they started doing the same stuff, but they started killing big bucks. And I never shifted to the big bucks because I had plenty of opportunities, you know, about every three years when you hunt the way I hunt, a big, a big good 135 to 145 class buck will walk up, you know. But uh, it's too boring for me. I, I want to kill a few deer. And I'd always quit. You like to kill them when they, when they walk well, out? Well, November the 5th, man, I, I put my stuff up, I was done. So yeah, I hunted I hunted five Saturdays a year for 40 years, and if I could go in the afternoons, I would. And it was pretty tough to kill two or three deer with five Saturdays. You had to do a lot of things right. Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, I've always enjoyed it. And out of the kids, Tyler's here. It's Mr. Tyler Newcomb. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go around the campfire and introduce everybody. And Zach, Tyler was too young to go with me, but I'd take Zach and Clay. Zach liked it okay. Clay, baby, absolutely, I could not wear him out. No one wanted to go with me because I scouted like a dead gum, you know, crazy person. Because I wouldn't hunt unless I could really find deer, and so no one wanted to go with me. But Clay, baby, would be by my side. We'd even scout on four-wheelers back when you could ride in the woods. And and we would run banshees through the woods looking for the stuff I knew what to look for. And Clay would never give up. We'd be going through creeks. We'd go through cutovers. All that was legal back then. And, and uh, you know, no telling how much territory. And Clay would never, ever wear out. And I was the kind of dad that I'd made a commitment I was going to kill a deer every year regardless. And my dad said, you'll never do it. My buddy said, you'll never do it. So I was so motivated to kill that if you couldn't keep up, I didn't babysit you like a dad should, you know. I, I drug Clay around, and he never, ever, <laughs> he never quit. And, uh, and now he's taking it on to another level. But anyway, that's pretty much my story. Well, man, there's there's a... There's a lot to be said about that right there, but part of the reason that I wanted to record this here was this is really where I cut my teeth bow hunting was right here in this management area, and this is this is where we scouted. This is where you drug me around. Yeah. And so it's pretty cool. I think we've done this for 20 years. Oh, man. Longer? Well, 80. We moved to Mena in 84. And in, in in December of 84, we moved to Mena. January 2nd or 3rd, I killed a doe with my bow in right the here. snow. Right here? Yeah, I mean in, in this area. And uh, a guy just told me, he said, go to this particular, you know, area. Let's call it a management area. The public public land. And so I just drove around and, and, I, and I killed a doe. And that was kind of my signature that I was in the right spot. And uh, so after that, I, I never hunt in January, but I just wanted to do it because we were new. And uh, one of the few times I've ever killed a deer other than October or 
first two or three days in November. I just put my stuff up and tried to be a good dad. But during October, I was... How'd that work, Zach and Tyler? It didn't work good. (laughs) These kids turned out to be just absolute dirt balls. No, really. (laughs) They all turned out good in spite of that. But I'm not like you with your kids. If you didn't want to play the game hard, that's fine. Stay home. Tyler was too young, you know. He was... He was too young to go. But Zach stayed with me pretty good, really. But it wasn't... A lot of intense scouting. Yeah. I think I was too young to know what was happening. (laughs) I was probably taking a nap in the back of the truck. Hey, before we get any further, I got got to introduce... I got to to show the audience. So this is like a... this This is like in front of a live studio audience here. But we're... We're we're sitting around the fire, and I was gonna say that that's why these stories are so cool. Is because we're right here. But we've got I'm, okay. I'm gonna go around the fire and tell me tell me who you are. We've got one river river Newcomb. <laughs> we got my brother Zach. We got bear bear Newcomb, my oldest son. We got Liam. We got Liam. We got Shep. We got Shep. Newcomb. We got Ike. We got Ike. We got my brother Tyler. Tyler. Now Tyler's been hot today. Tyler's not even hunting, but he came down here and he came in, rolled into camp with a cell phone picture of a probably 135 inch buck that he took on the side of the road right up here. He wouldn't tell us where it was. <laughs> and your name, young man? Atticus. Atticus. And then I didn't even introduce my dad before he jumped on there, but Gary Newcomb. Right here. Yeah, Gary Newcomb, that's me. And then we got, last but not least, Tyrell Dennison. Tyrell. So the so it's all Newcomb, so we've got our good friends, the Dennisons, here with us, too. And so we've, the hunting has been, this trip is really not about hunting, I would have to say. It's or, short. It's not about getting a deer. It's not about getting a deer. But, Ty, you did have, like, the best hunts today. Yeah, I saw... I saw plenty, I saw four deer in the morning and probably ten deer in the evening hunt, and uh, it was it was a lot of activity. Nothing quite worked out for me to, to get a deer, but... Boys, what have y'all been doing all day? Who wants to tell me what y'all been doing? Bear, what have you been doing? Well, in the morning, I went hunting, and it lasted about an hour and 13 minutes before I felt like my fingers were about to fall off, <laughs> and started walking down the road, and... Papa came and picked me up, well, because he just happened to be driving at the same time I was walking. So you have your hunter's safety education card, so you can actually hunt by yourself. Yes, and I hunted this afternoon. Hunted this afternoon. Unsuccessful. What have you guys been doing, man? Y'all been at camp all day? We've been at camp shooting BB guns and having fun. Shooting BB guns? Uncle Zach, you been doing some fly fishing? A little bit of fly fishing. 30 minutes of hard hunting this morning. 30 minutes of hard hunting. (laughs) River, what have you been doing? I don't even know what you've been doing. (laughs) We've just been hanging out at the fire. This is one rocking fire, isn't it? All right, Ixter, what have you been doing? Being cold. Being cold? All right, all right, I hear you. Atticus, what have you been doing, man? This is your first deer camp. How's it been for you? Great. Have you had a good time? I have a great one. What for? What um, for? What have you been doing? Because um, I, I enjoy hunting a lot. Yeah. And You're pretty tough out in the woods, I've noticed. You're always right on my heels when we're walking. Yeah. Yeah. You're good at not getting your boots wet. Here's what I thought I would do. We thought we would talk about some 
iconic stories that have happened right here in this area. And I've got one, if not two, iconic stories. And I want to give a little bit of a context to this because you guys have grown up and I grew up in a region of the country that was rich with public land. And growing up where I did, I mean, where, well, where we all did, there was public land, massive amounts of public land within 10 minutes, any, just about any direction that you drove. And public land really has a pretty massive influence on the culture of regions, you know, because you can, I mean, the, the hunting cultures are usually strong and you just, you don't, you don't realize that. I mean, dad and them, we grew up riding four wheelers recreationally in the national forest and in places that you could. That was a big part of what we did. We grew up hunting. We grew up coming down here. There are parts of the, there are parts of this country and for sure most of the world, you can't come to a place as big as this with as much game as this and go and just hunt. Did you guys know that? That this is like a pretty significant deal? Come on, kids. Yes, yes. yes. Well, now, I honestly, I, I can't recall offhand if they have WMAs technically in Texas. But growing up in Texas, I grew up on the coast, and all of the deer hunting that I knew was on deer leases. Right. So it was always somebody's lease. And so if you wanted to go deer hunting, you had to go on a lease. So that's why I grew up duck hunting, because I could just go up on the coast or go in like smaller public places, and I could duck hunt or I could dove hunt. In some places that uh, wouldn't be as <clears throat> that were accessible to me without having land, because we never knew anybody with a deer lease. So moving to Arkansas, which you did 12, 13 years ago, yeah, th- that was like a pretty well. It's a pretty big deal to yeah. be able to have access to public land. Yeah, it's great. It's something that's really cool about you know. There's the land down here. There's WMAs up where we're at, north of here, and like it, it gives me the opportunity to hunt, kind of like Gary was talking about. You know my we didn't grow up deer hunting, um, so I can kind of start deer hunting without having to have land or a lease or anything like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Dad, what would you say is one of the most iconic hunts that that you've had in your bow hunting career? I mean, whether it would be like the first deer that you brought back and showed people, you know, back in the 70s when you killed a deer, or whether it was the clicking buck that got away, Yeah. or whether it was... Hollywood, yeah. back with the. Oh, well, hey man, you know I've just got I'm full of those stories. You know, um, the clicking buck. We've got a stand we call the clicking buck. They've cut it, but I mean, one morning I had a. It ended up being a twelve point, and I mean he could have been from. He wasn't one thirty five. He was one forty to one sixty, perfect twelve point, and uh, he he clicked he clicked. And I've been told, and I don't know if this is true, you guys, some of you guys probably know. If you knew, if you know, text Clay or whatever, how you communicate with Clay and say your dad was right or your dad was wrong. But uh, I stopped at a, a a couple of guys that are kind of legendary hunters in this area. And I said, you know, I got on the darn stand this morning. Uh, a buck walked in, a heavy buck, and clicked. And I said, I would never know what a click was, but my buddy had bought one. It just—it was just—you'd spin a deal, and it would go click, 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 and 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 I, you know this buck came in clicking. So and it's he, like a partial grunt. It's like a. 
just like that. Hmm. Almost. It, it really, it's just real quick grunts, but it sounds like this like thing. A, like a grunt is a series of clicks, yeah, basically. It would just, I mean, so it's, just like a, that's the way it sounded. So anyway, I'm thinking, man, this is a big animal. He came out of a pine thicket. I'm sitting on a white oak feeding area and he leaves. And I think, what the heck's going on? All of a sudden, a 10 point, a nice 10 point, you know, maybe a 120 class buck pulls up right here and that's about the time they started putting loops on a bow and i didn't have a loop and but you know he just stood there watching this doe feed and so anyway my arrow fell out of my bow that's what happens to me and uh so anyway i'm thinking the hunt's over well a six point comes in and he and they're all with they're all tending this doe right yeah they're all after and and this little old six point comes in he's pretty good six point and he's looking out he's like a little kid and he's going what are the adults doing? And all of a sudden, he just folds his legs and drops to the ground, and he's just looking out where the doe, the ten point. After I'm, so he just bedded down while he was watching. Yeah, but him. he was looking, man. I mean, he was hiding. All of a sudden, the ten point comes and runs him off. So I'm thinking the hunt's over. Well, I start climbing down. I had to get back to town that morning early. Here comes an eight point. Well, so the next week. I'm back at that same spot. And these guys told me that that clicking buck will, will scent check that doe, and if she's not ready, he'll leave. And that's exactly what he did. Well, the next Saturday, he's with this doe. He pulls up at 30 yards and watches her feed broadside. And I got a hickory tree in my way, and, man, I maneuver around. I mean, I'm 22 feet up, and I'm doing this. I finally find a hole, and by the time I find it, I forget the deer's 30, actually 33 yards away, and I put my 20 pin on it. I mean, holy cow, it was a, for this area, you know, it was a world beater. And I mean, I'll always remember that. So the next week, I put Clay in there. He comes home from college or whatever, and of course, the buck never came back. I never heard about it being killed, but it's the kind of buck you might hear about if somebody had killed it. I'm sure they did, but really, I got two more stories. You want might want to spread them out. Well, hey, I've got a, I've got a story that I'd like for you. To okay. Tell. That. What about the five hog bottom? Well, that's my story. Was I, that I got, it? I got I got. Okay, that. well, you tell that story, and then I'll tell the story connected to that. Okay. Because that's what I want these kids to hear in some of the. Some okay. of the fun stories. You know, some years, it really, when the kids were growing up, some, some years it was really tough hunting. It, even the way I hunted, it was tough. And one year, no one with a bow was hardly killing a deer. And I had one little spot that I thought we could kill a deer on, and I put clay on it. And I said, I'm going go to go to Hog Bottom, and it's leased out now. And I'm going to be in the hogs and the deer surely something will happen is this a story yeah and, and so i'm walking in hog bottom so i mean this is a place that you had scouted for deer and there was hogs yeah there. There a, lot a lot of, of hogs deer, sign, lot bottom acorns and, and but the hogs i mean you know it, it, the deer was really what i wanted to kill so i'm walking i'm walking to my stand and i hear hogs coming man i mean it's not one hog it's 30 hogs and they come off the side of this ridge, and they come through cane. Is and I'm standing there, and I'm going, "Holy smokes! Look at all these little pigs!" You know, they were like sixty pounders to a hundred pounders, and some bigger. And I'd just go whack, and I'd reload, whack, reload, whack, reload. I went through all the way down to one arrow, 
And all of a sudden, and you guys that know outdoors, uh, you know, I'm telling you what happened. And I knew some guys that were big hog hunters from Oklahoma, ran dogs, rode horses. I mean, they were outdoorsmen. And I asked them about it. I said, this hog came off that mountain. And I said, it sounded, if I didn't know what it was, I can't remember what I said. It sounded like a lion, a roar. That sucker came off that mountain and sounded like a roar. And I'm standing on a creek, and these all, all these hogs jumped up about, that creek was about four feet deep, you know, the bank. And they were and up you, there. You were you were killing them as they were crossing. As the creek. they were coming through, were, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm killing them. You're standing in a dry creek bed. Yeah. And and as these hogs are crossing the creek, you're shooting them one by one. And they're squealing the whole bunch. I got thirty girls out there going reek reek reek. So guess every who, time he shot, they squeal. Guess who hears this? Big. Take daddy. a guess who heard it, Shep. The big boar. <laughs> so I call old man Green and I said, "What was this hog doing?" I talked to two hog hunters. They said he has two purposes in life. He's to breed and protect. And when he heard those sows squealing, he was looking for you. He wanted to eat you. So I looked down the creek, man, and I mean a hog came across that creek that was just about as wide as the creek. And he came across the creek, and I'm sitting there with one arrow. I got this four-foot bank. He jumps up on the bank. He goes up there close to, and I had a bunch of sows here, a bunch of sows. He came right between them, and he started coming down the trail right to me. And I'm sitting there full draw thinking, and I had a tree picked out right here. And I go, dead gimmick, boy. And he got to the edge of the creek and fixed the, I mean, it wasn't eight yards, six yards from me. And I go, okay. And I whacked that sucker right in the forehead with a wasp broadhead and the aluminum era and the aluminum era broke and spun and flipped he ripped up in the trees i remember you saying that it it hit him in the air just poof, just flipped half the of trees. it the other half stayed in his head and he turned around it didn't penetrate nothing it just enough to stick a wasp broadhead right here and he turned and ran up that hill but if i'd have let him get in the creek with me he would have just i mean he'd have killed me you guys wouldn't have a grandpa but or you'd have a chewed up grandpa. Oh, he's such a sissy. I'd have been up that tree quicker than, you know, you could say scalded dog. <laughs> so anyway, here's the part I like. So I go pick Clay up. Seemed like you might have seen the spike. I can't remember. And I go, Clay, baby, we got hogs down in the bottom. I'm now, a, are you gonna, now, are you going into I'm gonna my go, hunt? I'm, I'm going to go to your... I want well, you to tell your story. Right. Well, but, but first of but all, first, you killed... I think you we we only killed two or three. We recovered three good size hogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so anyway, Clay, I said Clay, this is going to be a horrible job. You know, first time we'd kill pigs, they were clean. They were cleaner than a whitetail. No odor. They were just spotless, man. I mean, it was the cleanest thing. We got them cleaned, and then then Clay does his thing. He always was coming up with some crazy. You know, I was. I was, I remember because I was uh, 15 years old because I couldn't drive yet. Right. And so Dad, I was with I was hunting somewhere else when you killed those pigs, so I helped you recover them, so I knew where the pigs were. And a, a week, that week at school, I told my buddy Jared Moore about these hogs, and he was 16. And we were going to drive his truck down here and go hog hunting, but the lights on his pickup didn't work, and so. <laughs> We couldn't go. 
<laughs> so dad took me down there the next week and on saturday i remember you were wanting to go hunt somewhere else and you just i remember hey, what hey, let me let me just interrupt you know i got to me is like a little 13 year old kid so he's 15 he's just a kid i'm telling you though and I'm thinking, how many daddies are going to drop their kid off with a bow and arrow after that big boar I saw and all those hogs? But I just knew Clay could handle it. And I just dropped him off and then tell what happened. Well, it, had to, it had to have been around in mid-October because it was warm. And I, I mean, I, for some reason, I remember everything about that hunt. But I remember you dropping me off and you leaving and you just pointing the direction I should go. And, you know, like, hey, I'll be here after dark to pick you up. And man, I remember I I didn't walk into the woods fifty yards before I heard a pig grunting, and I I knock an arrow and I listen and here's a pig grunting and I mean I'm serious hadn't been that hadn't been gone ten minutes and I see a big black hog coming through the woods and it's just going to parallel me at about twenty yards. And, but by the time I get my bow, get my arrow knocked and get everything ready, the hog passes by me. And I'm just like, Dad gum. That was one of the first live hogs that I had seen. Well, directly, I hear another hog coming. And it was a good size hog. And this time I didn't let it pass. It came by at about 15 to 20 yards and I shot it and I just hit it right behind the shoulder. And just ten ring this hog. Well, the hog runs off. Directly, I hear what sounds like an army of hogs coming. And it was. Twenty-seven hogs passed by. One by one by one by one by one. Right in front of me. And why I didn't shoot them, I don't know. To this day, I can't remember why I didn't. I, I think I was so used to whitetail hunting that you shot a whitetail... And, you know, I mean, that was, you just waited for Dad to come well, pick you up and we'd track hunting, it. You know, I did that one time on deer. I could have killed two deer, a buck and a doe one morning, but I was thinking turkey hunting. And you I just killed a buck. Kill two in the same and day. I, you know, I kind of wanted to get my killing over with, you know, since I only hunted five Saturdays. But, anyway, I think that's probably what you were thinking. Well, I think I just wasn't used to the idea that hogs had unlimited numbers. So I let 27 hogs pass by me. And they were all shoats. Well... About 30 minutes passes, and these are the these are the first hogs I've ever seen really in the wild, and now I've seen 29 hogs, and I, Dad hadn't been gone 30 minutes by this point. I wait about 30 minutes, and I go, well, I guess I better go track that hog. So I go over there and find blood and start tracking this hog, tracking this hog, tracking this hog. And I don't go very far, and I start hearing hogs grunting again, and... I, I just start moving in closer, moving in closer, and I see this like swarm of hogs. And I'm trying to interpret what's happening in front of me. And I move in closer, move in closer, move in closer, and these hogs never spook. And what, what had happened is that I had shot this, this big, this big sow hog. And those shoats, they were totally adult shoats, but I guess she was the leader. And they were just hanging, hanging out around her. And wouldn't run off. And, and I watched them for probably an hour thinking that they would finally just leave and they never left. And so I don't, I don't recall what process was going on in my mind. But I 
put a knife in between my teeth and I got on my hands and knees <laughs> and I wanted to see how close I could get to him. What's that? We, we want to hear the process that was going on. I think I just want, I was just curious to see how, on that a little bit for us. <laughs> I just wanted to see how close I could get to him and why I didn't want to shoot another one. I don't know, but I put a knife in my teeth and I started walking towards them grunting like a pig and they let me walk right in amongst them. And finally, I got to where I was within like five and six yards of these pigs. And I think because their leader. Were you walking or crawling? I was crawl. I was on my hands and knees. Okay. Well, you said walking the second time. Did I say walking? Second I, time you did. Second time. Second. Okay. I was, I was on my hands and knees with a knife in my mouth. And I got, I mean, right in amongst them. And I guess they, I guess they felt like their their leader wasn't afraid because their leader is laying there on the ground because I had shot her. And you probably look like a pig. And and finally, I I got up and I just ran them off. I just stood up and ha, get out of here. And anyway, recovered the hog. And uh, so I drugged the hog out. And when Dad came back at dark, we had a hog. Yeah, I pulled up, man. There's a big old black hog there, and I just, I mean, as a daddy, it was pretty stinking cool. I mean, how many little old kids you throw out in the big hog woods, and they, you know, you could have had probably five laying there if you'd wanted them. Yeah, and now I, I wish I had now that we realize what a vermin they are. Did you watch Rambo too early? I watched Rambo too early. <laughs> that was right at the peak of Rambo's influence on me, Zach, and Tyler's life. Rambo really had a big influence on Tyler. Yeah, Tyler still thinks about Rambo on every situation. Hey, well that that's a good that's a good place to tell you. I think I tell this hog story almost every deer camp. But let me tell you let me tell it to you again, Atticus, because this is your first time. Listen to this story. One time, Papa found a bunch of hog sign under some white oak trees because hogs love white oak acorns, and we. He found a bunch of hog sign, and he came, and he said, Clay, there's a bunch of hog sign up in this place. And I had my cousin, Todd Marriott, with me, and Todd had never killed a hog, and we were bow hunting. And I said, hey, Todd, we ought to go in there and hang double stands and hunt those hogs and kill two at the same time. Well, this was part of the story, was that we didn't realize it was daylight savings time, so... That night when we woke up, we woke up an hour early and we went out early, early in the morning and hung these stands like two full hours before daylight. We weren't trying to be that early, but it ended up working good. So uh, daylight savings caught us. I remember that because we were like, when is it going to get daylight? It just never got daylight, never got daylight. Finally, we were like, it, we, we figured it out. Well, so Todd, Marriott and I are sitting in a tree together. And sure enough, like clockwork, 30 minutes after daylight, here comes a sow and some pretty good-sized shoats. Shoats are baby, or young hogs. Let's just call them young hogs. And, and I also want to emphasize that these hogs have no regulation on them. They're an invasive species, and the game and fish and everybody in the world wants them all killed out. So we don't have any problem at all shooting sows and shooting young ones okay i just want to say that because no other big game species do we manage that way right like we don't want to shoot young bears we don't want to shoot young deer necessarily but hogs is a different story do y'all know that yeah Yeah. okay gotcha so they're nuisance animals so this 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 sow with a bunch of shoats and a nice boar hog 
come in to our tree. I mean, just perfect. And I tell Todd, I say, you shoot the sow. I'm going to shoot the boar. That was our agreement. I was going to shoot the boar. And, and man, we had to get, we had to get our timing right because like his sow would be turned right, but then my boar would be turned wrong. And then my boar would be turned right and his would be turned wrong. And so we'd draw and both of us would be drawn. We'd be like, we'd be talking to each other. I'm ready. I'm good. I'm good. And he'd go, no, no, I gotta wait, gotta wait, gotta wait. And so we'd let down and we'd draw again. And finally, after some cycle, both hogs got lined up just right. And so we said, one, and we'd rehearse this, one, two, thwack! And man, I hit my hog just right where I was aiming, just right behind the shoulder, smack! The the hog squeals and runs off, and Todd missed the sow. The, 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 the arrow just thuds into a tree right underneath the pig. And my pig just ran off squealing. And I was upset for Todd. I was like, dang, man, I'm sorry you missed. But I was pumped because I would taken a super nice boar. We're had, still mad at Todd. We're still that. mad at we've Todd. Never, Todd, we've never forgiven you, buddy. <laughs> it's, and so we're, you know, we're kind of happy, but we're kind of sad. We, we continued to hunt. It was early in the morning. Directly, we hear hog grunting, and we hear leaves crunching, coming up from the mountain, coming up from down below. And who was it, if it wasn't the sow and the same shoats? They're not the brightest animals. They're not the brightest animals. Actually, it was pretty unusual. And here comes the sow and the same shoats. And by this time, I'm thinking, okay, we got a big boar hog that we got to haul out of here. Todd's not really that worried about killing a pig. I said, Todd, you ought to shoot one of those shoats for for meat. And then that way we just we got a nice shoat for eating and then we got this boar hog and he said, oh, Okay, I'll shoot the shoat. Well shoot the shoat. He shoots the shoat. He shoots the shoat. And all heck breaks loose when that shoat starts squealing. Okay? Shoat starts squealing. And what do I hear? Down the mountain. I hear what sounds like a freight train coming up the mountain. Grunting, popping, chomping, stomping, romping brush, crashing stuff. I hear something just pounding up the mountain coming directly to that shoat that's squealing. And just like Papa said earlier, that a boar is made for breeding and protection. Here comes a huge boar hog. And I think, dad gum, this is my lucky day. I grab another era and I'm about to kill two. And man, he comes up there and he is woofing and popping. And he is spinning circles around that pig. Just looking for whatever's hurting it. I mean, he was, I guess he was expecting to see a coyote or something chewing on his back leg. And he is going nuts. And there's just chaos ensuing. You know, the other shoats are running around, the sow's running around, and this boar had come out of nowhere. Man, I knock an arrow, draw down on him, whack! And I mean, just ten ring this pig. And it runs off down the mountain the same way the other one did. Man, Todd and I are high-fiving in the tree. We're like, yes, we got the shoat, and we killed two big boar hogs with the bow.
We're excited. That's a good story, right? Okay. We get down out of the tree. And I say, which hog are we going to track first, Todd? And we're like, well, why don't we track the first one you shot, Clay? That's a good idea, Todd. So we start tracking blood right from the tree. What's that? Nope, that was it. (laughs) So we start tracking blood. And we track it down the mountain. We're following good blood, following good blood, following good blood. And all of a sudden, the blood starts to turn to the left and hook to the left. And it goes to the left. And I go, huh, this pig's kind of going back over a little bit by the tree stand. And all of a sudden, the blood trail turns and starts coming up the mountain and comes directly back to the tree. What happened? It was the pig. What was it? It was the pig that was running in circles going crazy. It was the same pig. How do y'all know that? Y'all know that because I told that story before? No, you could just tell where that story was going. I mean, like, it was, like, so predictable. It was just predictable. (laughs) Man, it's just thrashing your storytelling. Oh, man, come on, man. I'm so predictable. No, so, so, it was the same pig. I'd shot him, like, perfect. And he ran off down the mountain and he came back. And then, listen to that. Listen to this. This was early in the morning. And we blood trailed that pig till 3 p.m. And I jumped him up alive in a clear cut at 3 p.m. Sitting in a bed of blood about as big as a silver dollar. And here's what happened. Is at the time we were shooting those jackhammer broadheads that yeah. were so good for deer. Wasp yeah. jackhammers. They're not good for... Yeah, and I told you to do that too. And they're, uh, they were awesome on deer. They blew out real big. But for hogs they were terrible. Yeah. My fault. I was shooting a 65-pound um, high country bow, which at, you know was a full-size hard-shooting bow. And, man, I just didn't get any penetration into that shield. A, a boar has a big cartilage shield right behind his shoulder and never found that pig. And, boys, let me tell you what. That bow would kill a Cape buffalo, okay? That just tells you how how, how tough these hogs are. So this is like a bow that would shoot hard would shoot through stuff and it didn't kill that stinking pig anyway that's my pig story that's a tough one hey i got a story that'll put that story to shame <clears throat> hey you guys listen to the story i don't know if you've ever heard it but when clay baby was young it was real fun being his dad it's real fun with tyler and zach all did cool stuff but of course i like to hunt so clay was really the hunter and he, he'd bring rattlesnakes home. He'd come in the bedroom at 2 o'clock, knock on the door, say, Dad, come out, look at, look at this ice chest. <laughs> look, he's got rattlesnakes, copperheads. I mean, why do you catch snakes? Well, anyway, he's always doing stuff like that. Well, I'm out in the mountains. We're not in this easy hunting. I mean, this is deep into the mountains. And I go, Clay, I come home, I go, Clay, baby, I found, a, I found some good bucks. I mean, there's, there's a good buck in this area. And I told him how to get to it. He had to have a Jeep or a four-wheeler to get in there or walk for about four, two, a couple miles. And so anyway, he goes in there. And, uh, you know, he comes home and he walks in the house just like always. And I go, well, uh, I want to hear a story. He goes, well, I killed I kill the deer. And uh, just like, I don't know if were you being cool. I never did ask. I didn't know if you were being. I don't even remember. So anyway, you had that green Chevy trucks, which you had a nice big heavy Ford, you know, four-wheel drive set up high. Anyway, so you were able to get in there. Well, I go out to that truck and look in the back, 
And there's a little buck and a turkey with a 10-inch beard. You remember that? Yeah. So I go back in the house. I say, Clay, baby, I mean, you just walked in the house like nothing happened. And there's a deer and a turkey in the back of your truck with a bow and arrow. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and I go, I mean, and he just was, it's no big deal. And he said, well, he said, I went to that stand like you told me. And on the way, this this deer was right close to me, and I just shot it, and I went ahead and got on the stand and got the buck later, and he said, a turkey came by, and it was real foggy, the best I remember. Oh, look, let me let me stop you, because this is what happened, is I was on that four-wheel drive road. Yeah, real So tough. it was perfectly it was perfectly legal. It wasn't like a county road. I'm driving up this four-wheel drive road, and this is National Forest, and I see a deer cross the road. And, I mean, back in those days, there weren't a lot of deer in the National Forest. Right. It's a pretty big deal just to see a deer. Yeah. And, I mean, we were just meat hunting. We were just trying to kill a deer. Man, I got out of the truck, and this deer just went off and was standing there 30 yards away. And, again, I'm not on a county road. I mean, I'm on, like, a four-wheeler trail. Yeah. I get out of the truck, walk around the front of the truck, step off the side of the road, and the deer's still standing there at 30 yards. I shoot the deer. And I was going hunting. And I remember I just tin ring the deer. And I just knew that it was going to die quick. And so I didn't even wait for it. I mean, it ran off and I was hot on its heels. And about the time that it slid into the dirt, I was grabbing it up by the hooves, dragging it back, threw it in the truck, and then went hunting. Yeah. So he goes hunting, and I don't know what happened, but from a dad's perspective, this is what happened. He's in a tree stand, probably 15, 20 feet up. Turkey comes in. This is where all the big buck sign was, and, and it was foggy, and I think maybe even a nice deer might have come by. Anyway, he kills We were him. on a good buck up there. Yeah, yeah. It was good stuff. And so this turkey comes up, and he, he shoots his turkey. And... uh. The turkey runs off. Well, he climbs out of the tree, right? Yeah, I go to look for the turkey. Y- yeah, you, so he comes down, goes to look for the turkey. Well, the turkey runs straight to this pig trail, and it's just sitting there it like It flew. It flew. Do you remember when I shot it, it just pitched hey, off the Hey, you tell them the, the story from here, because it's just crazy what happened. Do you guys remember the story? This is the You wrote about this story? Yeah, we had like a... I don't even remember what the prompt was, but I wrote about it. And, like, got a really great grade. Hey, let me tell you why this story is important. It's because at the time I was dating Misty. Many of you right here's mother. Many of you's aunt. Many of you's school principal. And I came back from this hunt, and I told Misty about it. And that was, the, that was like the icing on the cake. That Misty was like, I like this guy. For real. And I actually took the deer and the turkey over to her house. So there's there's a lot at play here, guys, especially for you who's, this woman is their mother. Hey, let's get back to the real deal. So he well, got, me, no, I, I can tell, okay, you I, can, I can tell it. So what I like I, right here. here's what happened is this big turkey comes walking up the hill. We had a fall turkey season at that time. We don't anymore here in the Washtals. I shoot at this turkey at about 24 yards across this little drainage, and I miss. I miss. But the arrow hits the other side of the bank on the opposite side of the turkey. So the turkey perceives that the danger is on the opposite side. So the turkey jumps straight up in the air about 12 feet 
and hits the ground and comes running straight towards me. Okay, so the sound was, do y'all get that? I shot. Well, the turkey comes back, and what I was good at back in those days was grabbing another arrow. So I grabbed another arrow, and it came right up under the stand, and I poof, shot it again. And man, that turkey turned around, and I was sitting on the side of this beautiful mountain, and you could look kind of across this valley, and man, that turkey just pitched out of there like an airplane taking off, and just poof, he just spread his wings, and he just sailed out across there. And if you hunt turkeys very much, you know that that's a bad deal. Because turkeys don't bleed, and you can't find them if they get away from you. Pretty much with a bow and arrow, a turkey needs to, you know, die pretty quickly, or you have a hard time recovering them. Well, I continue to deer hunt, and it starts to get dark, and I go, man, I better get down and start looking for that turkey. The woods were wet. It, was, it had been raining. And remember, I've got a deer in the truck, too. And... I get down and I start making some loops down off where I saw this turkey fly and I can't find it, can't find it. I actually go back to the truck and I put my bow in the truck and I think, man, I'm going to go one more time up in this little area and just see if I can find that turkey. Remember, the woods are wet so you can walk like super quiet. And do you remember how I was teaching you to walk today, Atticus? Yeah. And I was walking like that. And I was walking and... All of a sudden, like, I come into view of this little pocket that's in a thicket, like, probably 8 to 10 feet from me. I come around, like, this corner of vegetation, and I see the turkey. And the turkey is laying there with his head up on the ground and his eyes closed. I was close enough I could see his eyeballs, and they were closed. So I could see his eyelids, right? Well, I freeze. And the truck is like maybe not that far away. And I think, let me go back to the truck and get my bow. Or should I just bum rush this turkey and catch it? Always go with bum rush. Always go with Man, I watch that turkey's eyes pop open. Bing! He pops open. He looks at me and he jumps up and takes off running like he's not even hurt. And he is running down the mountain. And what choice did I have, guys? What? Chase him. Man, I took after that turkey, running through briars, jumping over rocks, jumping over logs, and we're running downhill. And that turkey is, is gaining ground on me. He's getting further and further and further away. And I'm just thinking, Dad gum, this turkey's going to get away from me. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. We get all the way to the bottom of the mountain where the turkey has no choice but to go back up the other mountain. And I don't really know how far it was. I should go back there to really see. It was like we were running for days, but it probably wasn't. We start, we get to the bottom, and then we start to go up the next ridge. And we're running, running. And I start to gain on that turkey. And I remember what it felt like when I started to gain on it. It was just like, I'm going to catch you, you sucker. And I'm running, 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 gaining, 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 gaining. And finally I get about five feet from him and I just dive. Poof! Airborne. And just wrap that turkey up. Poof! And slam onto the ground. And both of us are so tired. He's got his head up looking at me in the eyeballs. And I, and I, it's that same eyeball that I saw pop open and look at me is now about two inches from my eyeball. And we're laying there 
and I was so tired that I, I, I didn't even do anything. I'd just keep him wrapped up. I'd just breathe. <sighs> and he was breathing. And uh, I dispatched the turkey quickly, threw it in the truck, drove home, showed it to Dad, and then took it to Misty's house and showed her. And so that's why all you kids are here. <laughs> is this the first time in Bear Hunting Magazine history that the nickname Clay Baby has come out? Oh, no. I want to know that. Oh, no. I, this isn't the first time? Well, of course it's the first time. <laughs> that's a good too. That's important. That's important. Dad, Dad started that straight off. <laughs> I guess that's what happens at this deer camp. Oh, geez. Well, that was that was an iconic moment. Iconic moment. Well, what other iconic stories happened down here, Dad? You know, I had one uh, about you, and I, you well, know, I don't, it didn't need to be about you, me. Well, but there, most of them were, and I forgot it, but I'll think of it in a minute. So let me tell you a story that I listened. I never read about deer hunting and never watch stuff, but recently, just the last two or three weeks, I've been watching videos of these guys telling about how to deer hunt. And the stuff I've experienced and seen... They don't talk about it, but I'm gonna tell you that this this happened to me. I was 2,500 foot up on a mountain. It took me two and a half hours to get there. Clay could get there in an hour and a half, and uh, I was doing a practice run, and I knew where the deer were, kind of knew what they were doing, and it, I did. I was lazy. I didn't want to get up real early, so I got up about 11 or got it to the woods. It was going to do an afternoon hunt. I already had a 40 pounds, this, this place was so hot, I carried a 40-pound ambusher upside that mountain with an old buddy of mine. Basically a two-hour walk-in to where you were hunting. Well, two and a half for me. Yeah. So anyway, I got to stand up, and I don't stand up. You know, I probably could have killed twice the deer if I could stand up, but I was always afraid to stand up. When you shot. Yeah. Long story of the reason I'm that way. But anyway, so I'm sitting on this stand and I had heard a tape. I swear I have turned. I've looked all through my house. I've gone there. I'd pay, I'd pay a thousand dollars to have this little old tape. And I can't even remember the guy's name. And he, he, told of a call, two calls that I used. And one of them was what he called a dominant buck grunt. And no one I knew knew this call. No one talks about it on TV, on YouTube, never hear it. Well, I get up on this stand, and I mean, you got little old bitty trees 20 foot tall. I mean, that's how high you are in Arkansas. It's a pretty big mountain. It's about the third, fourth tallest spot in, in, in Arkansas. And so I'm sitting on this ambush here, and I'm on a V tree because there's no trees big enough to handle it. And uh, I'm right at the V. And, and I pull out my rattling horns, and I mean, I don't know what happened, but it was like, it was scary. I mean, chill bumps, when I think about it, I feel them right now. I mean, when I hit those horns, chill bumps were going up my back. I mean, it was like I was killing those horns. And I took that grunt call, and I did exactly what that guy said to do. And here's the call. They tell you not to do this unless you're after the biggest buck in the woods. And, and it goes, it goes, it's a long and it crescendos at the end. Anybody and I want to try. Well, let me tell you, I did that stinking call 
and I'd rattle those horns, and I mean, it was, I've never been able to copy what I did physically. I mean, it was, it, it was, I was so into it. And all of a sudden, behind me, I hear a deer making the same call, except he was a little too short. He was going, and I thought, that's a stinking little six-point. I'm not even going monkey with him. There's no way I'm going to shoot a six-point on this mountain. So I just turn around, and there's a little football bump behind me, and this thing's flat like a football field, and this one little old bump. I just turn around in that V-tree. Now, Clay would have been up, and, you know, he'd have been at full draw. He'd have killed this buck. Well, that ain't my style. So I'm just looking back, thinking, here's a little six-point coming. He's going, he was a little short. You know, he was monkeying up, I'll be honest with you. I was doing it right. So <laughs> he comes around the corner, and this sucker's 140-plus. He's got horns sticking way up. Here I am pointed the wrong way, and I'm looking back, afraid to stand up on that ambusher, and he pulls up at about 30 yards right at the end of that football, and his horns were so tall, they caught up in the trees. You know, I mean, it, you know, he was, you know, they were that, his horns were, were tall. And uh, he just disappeared, never made another sound. But it was the mo one of the most exciting hunts I've ever been on, and he, and he it was a, and I mean, trust me, they make that call. If you do it on a little buck, he's going to run off big bucks. He came in with his ears back, his hair up, making that same call I was making, but he monkeyed it up a little bit, a little too short. So anyway, Clay listened to these stories about stuff I was encountering up there and the bear that would tear my stuff up that I'd leave up there. And he never was interested. And uh, anyway, I hunted there a couple of years and learned a lot about the mountain. And then when Clay got older, he started killing stuff up there. So anyway, that was a tremendous hunt. Uh, that really was an iconic hunt because you found that deer's sheds up there. which Well, I found a shed. It wasn't his. I mean, his shed was huge. Yeah. The sheds I it was found, a heck of a shed you did find. Up yeah, there, the bucks, the sheds I found were 135s. They, yeah. He made those look like he was not quite as big as that buck in Howard County. Yeah, but well, yeah, you know he was he was. Uh, they probably would have scored about the same, but I, I don't know if they were different well, type. You animals. know, I think what's cool about all these stories is that these are the stories that. It made deep impressions on me as a kid growing up and as a as a as a teenager and what you don't realize is that some of these stories that you're living out become iconic stories for your life and sometimes you don't realize it until it's 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 already done and you kind of grow up and you start telling these stories over and over but at the time those were just kind of normal hunts you know yeah you know, another thing this guy taught me on that tape was an estrus grunt. And it's not the same grunt that I'm hearing taught and the same grunt that I use. I've had a whole lot of luck with a, with a what I call a, a, a tending grunt, which I'm not sure what I'm doing is a tending grunt, but that's what I call it. A little just short, choppy grunts, because that's what I hear bucks doing. And, and then a estrus bleat. And I mean... 
certain years, you know, I mean, I'd call Clay every day and I'd go, Dad Gum, I had four bucks around me and I killed a little, you know, a decent eight point or I missed a ten point or, you know, using that, using that sequence. But, uh, when this guy told me this call, I was using stuff I was hearing on, on YouTube or on videos, but this guy that had this little CD, he had another call. And a friend of mine and I went to Missouri, and we hunted two or three different places. And everywhere we went, no one, would be there'd be 20 camps. No one were, was killing deer. And my friend Mesco and I, we would scout... I set up, and I used this estrus bleat, and I swear this buck went nuts. He immediately got up out of his bed, it looked to me like, and started scraping and rubbing trees. And when he got through, he came right to me. He was a big old body deer. His horns were just decent. And he came right to my stand when he got through, and it was because of this call. And... You know, back then, the 90s was when calling started becoming really popular, and it wasn't a thing until then. Yeah. And I think that's why all this impressed you and impacted you so much back in the day. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we all we use these calls now, but back then it was almost like magic because you've hey, been hunting if, if 20 years. If anybody knows this this tape, I mean, I would I, I'd easily give somebody a hundred bucks for a copy of that. Hundred dollars for a copy uh, of the tape. Yeah, who but, would give Gary Newcomb twenty five, twenty five? You know, I mean, I learned two calls from him, and I mean, when I used them, you know, I, not every time, obviously, but 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 they worked. And uh, so, hey, Atticus, remember when we found that uh, rub today, the deer rub on the tree? What did we say that meant? I actually don't remember that. What? Well, I do remember, remember Ilsa Boy trying to impress the girl. No, that's it. That's it. Yeah, we were we were finding rubs, and yeah. they were asking what they meant. So I said, oh, it's just the boys. We kind of had a little skit we did. It's pretty hey, informative. Iconic cunt. Uh, back... You know, Clay learned how to turkey hunt. In one year, he was really better than I was after 10 or 15 years of turkey hunting because I didn't want, I, didn't, I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't want somebody to go with me and call a bird in. So it took me a long time to learn it. Finally, I got where I could kill one or two birds a year with a gun and then I'd bow hunt. And so I was out one day with my bow and uh, I was going up a mountain and I was real tired. And I stopped. I remember dr I drank a Coke, and then I, I sat back and I called. And I heard two birds up above me, two or three. I couldn't see them. And they, they came around, and they did exactly what the textbook said. A, a bird will not come down to you. So he went way down the mountain. He came down. He got below me. Only one came in. It was a big gobbler. He came in strutting, drumming putting a show on well there happened to be a log there that was about 14 16 inches laid across with briar thicket on both ends and this turkey got to strutting on the other side of that log <laughs> and i'm going like holy cow look at this bird he's gonna be in my freezer here before long and so man i'm watching him and he he struts up this log and then he turns and fans 
and I'm thinking, this looks like an opportunity. And he goes down, he does the same thing, comes back. So I'm thinking, second time, that's his deal, boy. And man, I draw back, and when he does his turn and his fan, and as soon as he comes back, I almost shot his head off with a with that big old jackhammer. <laughs> and I mean, he didn't go nowhere, boy. And uh, so anyway, I mean, you had to kill a turkey. That, but see, that was you were you killed tur- a turkey on the ground without a blind uh, with a bow well, yeah, in the mountains back I, before I, you know, people were doing it. Yeah, I, I don't, to this day, I, I mean, boy, if you can just kill them off the ground. And so, anyway, as time went on, I, I hated just to kill one bird, you know. You just think it's luck. But over the years, you know, the maybe four years where turkey hunt was so good you could do that, that, uh, you know, I, I had opportunities to kill probably three or four turkeys. And I knew a lot of guys that had killed a lot, you know, 15 or 20 doing that same thing. So I wasn't very good but at not it. not here. Well, I met some guys in some of the bigger cities that said that they, they do that. They might have had a blind. I don't know. But anyway, you know, I'd either miss or misjudge or, you know, something would happen. But, uh, you know, with a little luck, I could have killed three or four with a with a bow but that one was just so much fun because you know the way he strutted and how that was, he turned. that was an iconic turkey story i remember that i remember it well hey we've gone over an hour here and uh i need a little just a little bit of feedback from uh from these guys any closing comments from uh uncle tyler what do you think well, I would say I was oblivious to a lot of those stories. Um, a part of me wonders why I didn't get pulled into the hunting culture, you know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, deep. Yeah. You but us? I'm not blaming you guys, but I, I'm pretty amazed at what's been going on out there, you know. <laughs> you had no idea. Yeah. That's You're awesome. I'm watching Rambo. Yeah. When you get through, I, I got. I just got to tell this one story. You might have to make this three. You might have to get your own podcast. Hey man, get, cut it in two or three. But this one's this. Well, this was the good one that I thought. You know, when Here Clay was a kid, unplugged podcast. Clay baby, you know, I'm I'm hoping I'll be in the movies maybe next time. This just is, your smoker. So anyway, we, we, my good friend and I, we rode these banshees. If you know what a banshee is, it's the hottest thing you could buy, really. Unless I mean, it was up there in the nineties. Yeah. And we rode them pretty hard, too. And uh, anyway, when I wasn't riding, Clay would ride it. So we had a big ride one day, and Clay was on the Banshee. And and I'm with my brother-in-law, and the kids are out running front. And, of course, Clay's screaming this Banshee. Well, we top a hill. I see my Banshee with the fenders laying on the ground, and my boy's not on it. I mean... Daddy's like going, holy cow, my kid, what's wrong with him? So I pull up, get to looking around. He is in the creek with a deer. He's got a deer with a with a headlock on it with his pocket knife out. He's not saying a word. He's just wrestling this deer. He's And he finally gets his throat cut. And, and I go, Clay, baby, what in the world happened? And he goes, well, this little sucker ran into him. I was going about 55, and this guy just whammed right between the fenders. And he said he was alive, and he started running off, and I caught him and killed him with my knife. 
I, I go, almost forgot about that. I go, man, you can't make this <laughs> stuff up, man. I mean, uh, so anyway, we took that little old deer. I mean, it wasn't real small. But it was we, a it was a yearling. We didn't want it to ruin our hunt, so we rolled our it up ride. in a tarp. Our, we were our, 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 our we ride. Riding. Yeah, we rolled it up in a tarp, and I we rode over to a buddy of mine's cabin. He happened to be there, and we gave it to him. But you know that was just and and what was strange is about a month before that. I hit a deer, but it didn't kill it on that same banshee, and you know that was another story. But and then you sold it. Do you remember? That spooked you. I mean, that was the yeah. beginning of the end of fast four-wheeler riding. Well, it wasn't the end because we still. Got well, it. well, well. You're yeah. right. For for me though. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was. Yeah. And now I ride mules. You went bad on me, boys. I went the other direction. Yeah. So anyway, that's it. Well. All right, closing comments, Tyrell Dennison, about the deer camp this year. Um, deer camp's always great, always glad to be here, and always glad for the stories. Glad for the story. Man, you almost made one today. It was close. That's right. Do you know the hog story happened exactly where you missed that deer this morning? Oh, really? Yeah. Did not know that. Yes. River, closing comments? No? River's got some good stories. How's your head? All these people that listen to the podcast heard about your mule accident. Yeah. Mm. Your daddy lets you ride wild mules. My daddy let me ride wild four-wheelers. <laughs> Uncle Zach, closing comments. No comments. No comments. <clears throat> Bear Newcomb. Sadly, I have nothing. What? Did you enjoy those stories? Yes. Liam, did you enjoy that? Yes. Oh, Liam's tired. Liam's tired. I thought no, we were going not, coon no, hunting. No, 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 Shepherd's not. asleep. Eichster, you're looking a little glazed over. I want to go coon hunting. You want to go? Yes. You want to? We got the dogs down here. We may go coon hunting. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. Hey, do us all a favor. Do us all a favor. What could they do that would help? Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. What could they do, River? Like and subscribe. Subscribe to Bear Hunting Magazine YouTube podcast. Bear Hunting Magazine, the only what? Bear Hunting Magazine. Or in the world. That's, that's correct. The you kind of stuttered the there. Only, the only all bear hunting magazine in the world. That's right. That's right. Rate it five stars too. Rate podcast. Rate it five stars. Yeah. On iTunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, they can. Did y'all know that they can find this podcast on pretty much every major podcast? I mean, it's on Spotify. It's on Apple Play. It's on all the. Yeah. So the Sportsman's Nation is a pretty cool deal that old Dan Johnson's doing. All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. And keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. 
It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.